to Savvy, Booked, and Blessed, a podcast for bold female leaders making bold moves. I'm your host, Devin A. Thaxton, founder and CEO of ProSavvy Strategic Performance Agency. Stick around to the end of the show and we'll reveal how you can be our next guest. Let's get started. Hi, and welcome back to Savvy, Booked, and Blessed. In this episode, we are joined by Debbie Page, CEO of Louis E. Page, Inc. Louis E. Page is a family-owned and previously male-led business that provides solutions for fencing people, crops, or animals in and out. Debbie studied and worked as a registered nurse and a lactation consultant until she became widowed and inherited the 129-year-old wire mesh fencing company that is Louis E. Page. The company historically has been exclusively run by the patriarchs in her family's legacy and then landed in her hands. In addition to driving the company towards revenue growth of 45%, Debbie launched the Inspired Mom Global Summit, became the founder and president of Women Emerged, and and created the High Five I Am program. Debbie takes pride in her role as mother, grandmother, registered nurse, lactation consultant, and the owner of many successful businesses. Overall, she bestows a deep enthusiasm and passion for energizing people to live extraordinary lives. Hi, Debbie. Hello, and thank you so much for inviting me to be here with you, to spend a little bit of time with you. Yes, thank you for joining us. So tell me, I'm so curious about this business and how you're leading it and it's ran by the men before. And now you're not only are, do you run it yourself, but you're killing it. So tell me a little bit more about, about the business and that journey. Oh, it's really, it's kind of a fun story in that as I was working as a lactation consultant and I had my own private practice, I was absolutely loving that working with the moms and babies, but I began to realize how much I loved growing a business. Yeah. I said to my husband, I said, I think I should come to work for you. He says, oh no, that's not a good idea. <laughs> I said, why not? He said, no, I don't think we should work together. Now we had a marvelous relationship, just marvelous. And I said, I don't know. I think maybe you should think about it. Fast forward about nine months. I was no longer even thinking about that. And my brother came to the lake with his wife and we're all sitting around chatting. And my brother says, Duncan, I want to come to work for you. And Duncan says, really? Yeah. And Rick says, yeah, because he had been a salesperson in corporate America. So he said, yeah, I can come in and do sales. He said, but only one, one thing, I'll only come to work for you if Debbie can come. I had never even said a word to him about wanting to come to work, but there we were. And Duncan said, all right, let's do it. So that was in October of 2011. And I, that's when I went to work and came in and started doing all the back office things. Thank goodness, because I really learned the back part of the business before Duncan passed in 2015. So really just about four years later. And here I was grieving the loss of my husband, my best friend, my boss, my playmate, everything. And, but I now had this business to run and that was not an easy transition for me. Yeah. And I ended up hiring a woman, a very good friend of mine to come on and take over the bookkeeping because I had been doing that. And she was just a joy and a delight. And she kept my spirits up and she would laugh with me and she would cry with me. And she helped me keep going. Plus Terry, who had been working with us at that point for 15 years, and she knows 
and still knows the products backwards and forwards is great on the phone with the customers. And she was incredibly patient with me. I never felt like she was at all resentful, resentful, but she was very patient and she just hung in there and kept things running as I was stumbling and trying to get myself up and running. It took me a good, at least the first year was super difficult for me. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. And how did the transition that first year or after did that? land as far as like the work that you weren't doing before that now you have to take over and the meetings that you weren't doing before that now you're in charge of. How was that? It was a real scramble. It was like, I have no idea what I'm doing. It is one thing to have my own practice as a lactation consultant. And even though I had two other people that were working for me, it was still very different than all of a sudden being the owner of a company, the CEO. And I felt intimidated in the sense that this was a company that had been in existence. At that point, I think it was 124 years or 23 years, something like that. Yeah. And the interesting thing was that my husband, as, as much as, I mean, he was a marvelous person, but he was very tired of the company. Mm-hmm. It's been there since he was 25. Yeah. He was tired of it. And I, it took about a year before I realized that I took on that energy that he had left. It was sure. almost as if that was bequeathed to me. And I'm like, oh no, I, ca- I can't continue in that kind of energy. And I remember saying to my business coach, I said, oh, I feel like I have the whole world on my shoulders. And he said, and I remember exactly where I was when he said this, ah, let's take it, let's change that around. Let's take that world off your shoulders and let's put it in front of you. <gasps> And look at it and say, oh my gosh, I have the world before me. Now go and figure out what you can do with this company. And that was huge for me because I began to realize, wait a minute, I'm being a victim. I'm having a pity party. I should actually be praising the fact that I now own this company and that I can go and do with with what I want to do. I can run with it. And so- yeah, that, that definitely changed my perspective. And I began to see, yes, let, I'm going to take charge of my emotions and not be reactive, but I'm going to respond to the things that are happening and be grateful for them. I lo- Oh, that's a great, that's a great thing to mantra to have of the world on your shoulders and flipping it and having the world in front of you and I know. go forth. And do- yeah. And I, I remember he said, yeah. Close your eyes and feel that world. Can you feel how it was rotating? He said, because the world's always in motion. Yeah. And he said, and that's what your business needs to be. Always in motion. Don't let it get stagnant going. What a good coach. Oh, fabulous coach. And he's still a great friend of mine. I love that. No, that's fantastic. And okay, so starting taking over the business and then where did kind of some of the other parts of your work come in? The Inspired Moms Global Summit and those areas. Okay. Having worked in the company for, let's see, I think it was, or been the CEO for four years is when I started having this longing again to be working with moms. I absolutely love moms. Yeah. I loved being a mom. I now love even more so being a grandmother. Sure. And I said, there's got to be a way that I can work this out where I can still run Louis Page, but I can also fulfill some of the desires and the passions of my heart, my heart to work with moms. Yeah. 
And you know how things come into your lap. You have the desire in your heart. And then before you know it, there's an opportunity. Yeah. The opportunity came through a man named George Shepard who runs 360 Summits. And I found out about him. I asked him if we could have a call together. He said yes. And I actually got on the call thinking that I was going to see if he wanted to have my breastfeeding course be a part of his pregnancy summit. But after we had talked for about 10, 15 minutes, he said, I have a proposal for you. Would you like to be the head up my mom's summits? He said, I'd really love for you to do that. I love your energy. I know you're passionate about moms. You have a great background. And I answered immediately, yes. <laughs> and he said, no, think about it. But I knew yeah. I would do that. So yeah. that's how that came about. And then as I began to start to find speakers for my summits. My passion for moms grew even deeper and deeper. And then I thought, I need to create a course. I need to write a book because I can take this even further. Because what I realized had happened to me is I woke up at 60 years old and said, oh my gosh, I'm scared to death about my future. How am I going to go on? My husband is gone. What am I going to do? I, maybe I was 62, but I said, what am I going to do? I really hit the panic button. It's like the 10 finger spread. Oh yeah. my gosh. Of course. Now I was running the company, but I still had this tremendous fear because part of that fear was I'm an imposter. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be a failure. I'm going to fall flat on my face. All of those, all of those old negative thinking, that old paradigm kept coming into my mind. And as I began to really work through all of that, I said, I don't want other women to get to be 62 years old and have the same type of fear and anxiety. Yeah. Let me see what I can do to help empower them so they can go from feeling trapped to feeling like they're powerless. They're powerful and they can be their own empress. That's how that all came about. Yeah. And then Women Emerged and then the High Five I Am program, those kind of fell after. Is all fell in place. And I didn't actually sit down to start writing my book until this past February. And I wrote it over a course of, I think, three months. And I got it all out of me, but I haven't edited it. And that's the hard part. I found the easy part is just letting it flow right out because that's what it was doing. It got great content written down, wonderful stories. And now I'm going back and I'm really taking my time. First, I was rushing thinking, I've got to get this done all really quickly. And then I said, nope, I'm going to take my time. I want it to be a great book. I want it to be something that really does speak to a lot of people and and really can serve its purpose of empowering women. Yeah. Yeah. When you were going through these transitions, did you feel more, yeah, this is what I'm supposed to be doing? Or was it like the imposter syndrome or who do I think I am? Or did you feel like, no, like I have no choice but to. Oh, I think it was totally vacillating. One moment I would think I'm on top of the world. I am doing this. I'm going to do it. We're doing a great job. And then another day, it could just depend on the weather. Yeah. (laughs) Or maybe I didn't eat right yesterday or something. And then I'd think, oh my goodness, what am I thinking? I'm never going to be able to do this. I don't even like it. And I had to tell you this. I, one day I came into the office. This By this point, we had our offices at home. And I came into my office and some 
Susan, who was doing the bookkeeping, was already there. And she's all, hi, good morning. How are you? I said, oh, I'm awful. And she said, oh, I'm sorry. What's wrong? I said, oh, I hate everybody. I want to just throw this company away and I'm going to burn the house down. And she says to me, oh, that's fine. Just don't send it in a text message. <laughs> At which point I started dying laughing. And she totally diffused yeah. that moment for me and made me realize how ludicrous it was that I was, it was okay that I was feeling that, yeah. but it was also ludicrous in the sense that I don't have to go to those extremes. I, and I think one of the things I would encourage anybody who's either starting a business or growing a business, have a coach, have somebody that you can touch base with either weekly or bi-weekly that encourages you, helps you look at what's going on and helps you get over yourself. Yeah. And that was a big thing for me was to get beyond my own ego. And yeah, so the coaches I've had through the years I, have been absolutely tremendous to me for me. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's good though. How do we get over ourselves? Because sometimes we are our own worst enemy and it's not that serious. I tell myself, I'm like, go sit down somewhere, cut it out. <laughs> You're being ridiculous. And it, to your point, yes, feel the feelings. It's important to acknowledge those things. But a good chunk of them are so foolish and silly that it's like, no. It is, I know. And I have done the same thing. I started thinking, okay, so I've been able to very successfully train a couple of dogs that I've had. And I've been able to say to them, sit, and they sit. Right. Or whatever. And I said, just do that to yourself. Because you know what? You're letting your body decide who you are instead of your mind. Yeah. And learning to let my mind take back over control instead of my body saying, oh, you don't feel good. Oh, you don't look good. Oh, you're not smart enough. All of those things that I had told myself, those things all through my childhood, where they came from, who knows? Because I look at my sister, she doesn't have those same kind of thoughts. Sure. But that was a part of who I was. And I had to really get in touch with that and learn how to get beyond that. What are some tools or uh, tricks or tips or anything like when those thoughts come up, how do you manage them? One thing I ask myself, is it true? Is it, do you know that it's really true? And then, it, it, then I'll go through this little routine where I say, am I okay in this moment? And so I stop and I think, oh, I absolutely am okay in this moment. I have everything I need. Yeah. I don't need for food or warrant warmth or shelter or water. I have everything I need. And then I ask myself, are you present? Am I present in this moment? So that I bring myself back from that future of the unknown, which is the fear. Yeah. Bring myself back to the present. And then I say, what are you grateful for? What are you proud of? And what is your vision? And that brings me all back to, okay, yeah, wait a minute, I'm super grateful for this. I'm very proud of this that I've accomplished. And this is my vision and nobody's going to stop me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, it won't be like, here's the starting line and I'm going, and here's sure. the finish line. It will be, but I'll get there. I'll get to the finish line. What's something that you wish you knew? Something you know now that you wish you knew when you took over the company, like when things really shifted for you a few years back? I think when I began to realize that it was my own limiting beliefs 
that were keeping me stuck in the same old way of thinking, the same old pattern of living out life where I didn't feel that I deserved to be successful. That was a huge one for me. Mm -hmm. I had to really work through the whole money issue. I didn't even realize that. Yeah. Now I can look back and I say, oh, I absolutely thought you're not worthy of success. You're not worthy of money. And you can't really run a business with that type of thinking. Yeah. Because if we're in business, we're not doing it as a hobby. We're doing it because we really are generating an income. We're wanting to scale it. And so, yeah, those limiting beliefs that kept me stuck and thinking that I wasn't worthy. And yeah, and I wish I'd known that then. But was I ready for them then? Probably yeah. not. But the thing is, once that becomes a part of your thinking, if you're listening right now and that now all of a sudden is becoming a part of your thinking, think about it and think about it and think about it. And the opportunities are going to come and you're going to start to unfold and you're going to learn how to get beyond those limiting beliefs. In your time of working with different clients, and I bet the client base from the fencing company to working with moms in all different types of aspects, what would you say is one of your proudest moments? In, and I'm going to say in both. Like, what is your proudest okay. moments in Louis Page and then working with mom? And I'll put that in an umbrella there. Okay. Yeah. This may seem like a funny thing to be proud of, but I actually am very proud of it. We, I had not been working for the company too long. That was when uh, Duncan was still alive and my brother was still part of the company. And my brother was working with a woman who wanted to place quite a large order and he could get nowhere with her. He just, and he was, had been a very successful salesperson, but he was getting nowhere with her and he was getting very frustrated. So he turned her over to Duncan. Yeah. Duncan got nowhere with her. So the guys ganged up on me. They have her on hold and they gang up on me and they say, she's yours. We're giving her to you because this is a big order and we want it, but we can't get anywhere with her. So I got on the phone with her and one of the major things was that she wanted to place the order, but she didn't want to give a down payment, but it was a custom order. So the, our policy always is if of course. you're making a product for somebody, you're going to take a down payment. Yeah, And she kept saying, no, my boss won't do it. My boss won't do it. And I said, nope, we have to have it. We have to have it. And I just kept pushing it. Finally, she, she said, I'll call you back. So she calls back and we're talking again. And she says, Debbie, you're driving me crazy. And I tell you what, without even thinking about it, I blurted out, you're driving me crazy. At which point she started dying laughing and gave me her credit card. That's it. And I was super proud of that. And I could get off that phone and I said, yes, I got the order. <laughs> <laughs> that is amazing. That brother still to this day says, Debbie, you're driving me crazy. <laughs> you're like, yeah, you're gonna do, yeah, you're going to do what I say, aren't you? <laughs> I'm going to get what I want. <laughs> oh, goodness. Oh, that's amazing. What about working with women and either doing lactation consulting or when you're a nurse? What is one of your moments you're most proud of? So it, that brings me back to a client that I had as a lactation consultant, lovely woman. I'm still in touch with her. And she came in, and this puts cold chills on me to the point that it brings tears, but she came into my office and she had this little baby who was not wanting to breastfeed. Sure. And she was devastated. So we came up with a great plan. 
and I sent her home. I, and I'm all about feeding the baby and keeping that baby thriving. That's absolutely essential. Sent her home with a great plan. She calls me the next day. She is sobbing. She'd been to the pediatrician, had only seen the nurse practitioner, not the pediatrician, who said to her, you have to switch your baby over to formula. And she said, why? I have plenty of breast milk. She said, no, you've got to put your baby on formula. And so we talked about that. And I said, there's no reason. You now already have, I think she had about 12 extra bottles of milk already. This is for a three to four day old baby. She had plenty of milk. Sure. She calls the next day. They've turned her into DDS. Is that what it is? D Child Protective Services? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I could not even believe it. And I tried calling. I tried talking and reasoning with the nurse practitioner. She would not listen at all. She's this young, cocky nurse practitioner. She wouldn't listen at all. So I just said to my client, I said, you know what? Stand firm. Yeah. Stand firm. So they show up. I think it was the next day they showed up from the department and of social services, I guess is what it was. Sure. And she stood firm and with great confidence, she said, come right on in. Here's my baby and blah, blah, blah. And he says, we're here because your doctor's office is saying that you should be giving this baby formula and blah, blah, blah. And she said, you know what? As long as I'm feeding my baby, does it matter to you? And he said, what? He wasn't familiar with breastfeeding. Right. So, well, come here. Let me show you something. She opened up her refrigerator. By that time, she had 24 bottles mm -hmm. of milk, of breast milk in that refrigerator. And he said, why am I even why am I here? Yeah. <laughs> and he totally dismissed the case. Yeah. I suppose I'm proud of myself, but I was especially proud of her because she is the one that did the work. She's the one that did firm. But, you know, I was just so thankful that I could have, because could be there to support her in her decision. Yeah. And teaching her to stand firm in what she knows to be true for herself and her family. No, because a mother knows her child more than anybody does and cares more for her child than anybody else. There are rare exceptions. That's of course. Not the case, but right. Rule. Right. And <laughs> to bring it back, so does, you know, the business owner. And you know, oh. no one knows their business better than you do. And That's the health. Nobody and loves it as much as you do. Everyone loves it as much as you do. Yeah. Yeah. Which that's a really important thing because you can't just expect that all of your employees or your team are going to have that exact same passion for the business that you do. Now you can rev it up. And that's a, an important thing about being the manager or being the CEO is really keeping that synergy and that energy up yeah. so that people are proud of it, but right. it still comes back to us, doesn't it? Absolutely. And keeping that, getting rid of, getting rid of, I say that lightly, of imposter syndrome or these things that just keep you lost in the sauce and confused it's so important to do the work and get the mentor get the other teammates that you need so you can think and lead your team effectively but it has to start with you yes yeah, yeah that absolutely. absolutely does debbie thank you for being on the show today if anyone wants to connect with you where can they find you and tell us anything if you have any summits coming up or anything like that Okay. So if they wanted to connect with me about the fencing business, that would be through louispage.com. If they wanted to connect with me more about empowering women, that is through debbiehpage.com. 
And I do have a summit coming up, which I'm super excited about. It will launch on September 29th through October 2nd. We have a great lineup of speakers that will be speaking on parental issues, relationships, mom self-care and mindset, and how to start a business. Because I want to empower these moms. If Hey, listen, if you have any desire or dream at all to build an independent income for yourself, then, you know, we're going to, we're going to get you started on that. Yeah. So love that. Yeah. And so that actually they could find out about the summit by going to inspiredmom.com. Okay. Awesome. And we'll have all of these links as well. Okay. It's a quick on. Thank you, Debbie, for being on the show. So, so much. It's been a great treat. And I just appreciate the wonderful questions that you've asked, the way you've helped to bring me out. So thank you very much. Thank you. It's been great. And thank you everyone for listening. And we will see you on the next one. to Savvy Booked and Blessed. If you are a successful six to seven figure female entrepreneur who would like to be on this program, please visit podcast.prosavvyas.com dash podcast slash guest. If you got something out of this interview, would you share this episode on social media? Just do a quick screenshot on your phone and text it to your friend or post it on the socials. If you know of someone that would be a great guest, go ahead and tag them in social media and let them know about the show and include hashtag Savvy, Book, and Blessed. I love seeing your posts and I love your guest suggestions. We're regularly putting out new episodes and content. To make sure you don't miss out on any episodes, go ahead and subscribe. Give your thumbs up ratings and reviews. They definitely go a long way to help promote the show. It means a lot to me and my team. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.